Let us begin. So grateful, so thankful to open ourselves to the unlimited flow of love. So grateful and so thankful to open ourselves to true harmony, peace, wisdom, clarity, freedom. The wholeness and the good of God is awake and alive in our minds, and we are willing to know it, to find it, to experience it, to be it, to see it, to live it. Taking this breath of love and gratitude, we partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self to remember the truth. I am that I am, and I am one with the I am presence of everyone everywhere. So grateful and so thankful to join together in spirit. Yes. Yes. With this breath, we are consciously choosing to anchor ourselves in a vision of love, a vision of peace and harmony and joy and freedom. So grateful. So thankful to allow ourselves this gift, allowing ourselves to know our perfection, our wholeness, our freedom. So grateful. Yes. So grateful to transform our beliefs about aging and disease and feeling separate from love. We are grateful. We're grateful that everything that we could ever possibly need or want is fully and completely installed within us now and forevermore. In grace and gratitude, we invoke the angels, the company of heaven, the ancestors, the ascended masters, the Shambhala Brotherhood, the Brotherhood of Light, Master Saint Germain, Lord Sananda, and all the teachers, Master Kitumi, to join with us in knowing the truth, not just for ourselves, but sharing the benefits truly with everyone. So grateful to declare that we're willing to have a healing today, now, this now. We're willing to have more clarity than we've ever had before. We're willing to lay the burdens down, more willing than ever before. So we join together in this consciousness and we invoke the violet flame to surround us and enfold us. We invoke the violet flame penetrating, healing energy of the violet ray to soak and saturate Mother Earth, all her many beings, every particle of life, every aspect of our beingness. We're willing to let go of all attachments, all cravings, all aversions, all addictive and compulsive tendencies and temptations. Surrendering all the meaning that we've made of the past. Willing to stand in an awareness of unlimited truth. Grateful and thankful to allow our healing We declare that it is so. We're holding a vision of love. We allow it to be. We let it be. And so it is. Amen. 
Amen, amen, amen. How wonderful that we get to join together in this healing. So, I am going to unmute everyone here, and here we go. Hey there, so if you can self-mute, that just helps to keep a clean call, as you well know. All right, so the way we uh, ended our previous class was working, uh, still working with this visioning section at the end of chapter three in Unveiled Mysteries. So powerful and so clear. And I had asked you to write a vision of what you'd like to call into being and to manifestation. I invited everyone to email that to me, to discuss it with your prayer partner and email that to me. And I've not received any emails. So, uh, rather than give some meaning to that, I have my intuition about it. But I'm just wondering if uh, people who are on the call now would be willing to share uh about what's going on with your vision and how you're feeling about that. Hi, Jennifer. It's Angela. I'm willing to share. Oh, good. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Um, I've been very inspired by the, the classes, and um, I I went back into the deep desire. I've been working that daily and mm. seeing what's coming out so that I can sort of consolidate things. Mm-hmm. So I'm letting a lot of it just come up and come out, and I'm looking at um, playing with being specific and then looking deeper um, at what what it means. So, mm-hmm. for example, like um, I wrote that, you know, the deep desire of my heart is to commit time each day to truth teachings through meditation, prayer, and journaling. But then I'm taking that and saying, well, what's the desire be deeper? And I wrote the deep desire of my heart is to be freed by the truth. Mm. So I'm playing with it to just see kind of what comes out. And um, I really resonate with what other people shared last week and what um, Karen shared about sort of feeling um, there's a little bit of I don't know if it's resistance, hesitancy or sort of awkwardness in balancing uh, sort of feeling like asking for you know trips around the world or seeing specific countries mm-hmm. versus uh, sort of feeling like I live an abundant uh, adventurous life. So I'm playing with what feels like going back almost like 10 years ago when I used to more like make a list of life goals that were very specific. And, you know, I remember writing, I want to be a semi-golf pro. For what reason? I think it was to impress my father. Hmm. But it was like, you know, but it was like I used to really be this goal-oriented individual. And 
that fell away when I moved to Malawi um, in Southern Africa, and I didn't have those outlets to achieve. It was really an opportunity to practice being and learning. And I really dropped that personality side, I felt like, at that point. So I'm kind of coming back and just enjoying this discovery and... It's coming together, but I haven't sent it just because I'm still working. And mm-hmm. I did discuss with my prayer partner, and I sort of shared with her how I feel and learning how to sort of um, be empowered to use my time each day toward things that I know I'd like to experience versus letting life sort of flow towards me. So I'm like just playing with these mm-hmm. kind of concepts. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, it's it's life changing. Yeah. And yeah. I noticed that I I noticed there was sort of a fear that came up because there's such an excitement to do this work because it feels like wow, I am powerful. And I noticed also sort of a pullback like, whoa. Can I trust my power and uh, do I deserve this power? So I notice that. When you say, can I trust this power? That could mean many different things. Can you say a little bit more about that? Yeah, I've, I've, I've noticed in the past, um, that when I have an inkling of what I would like to experience, I have a fear that uh, it it could be a path of self-destruction in disguise. Mm. And I felt that when I first fell in love with my current husband and I've, like, been on a journey with him. It took me years to really accept that I... That I deeply knew in myself that this was the right person. So the word right, is this right for me? Is it the right thing? Is this my ego? Is this my spirit? It's like, it's just this trust that what I'm uh, exploring is from the right, is from an aligned place and not just like some temporal thought in my mind. Right. Or a path of self-destruction. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I can't even trust that I know uh, that I can sort of overcome that desire to self-destruct, which I do sort of feel playing out at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one of the most important realizations for me was my doubt, lack of trust, and lack of faith really came from my own inconsistency. Mm-hmm. And you've been really looking at that extremely intently and with a high aspiration to be perfectly consistent. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So it makes sense that trust would be an issue that would be up. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I do feel. I do feel like it's starting to be more clear that intuition is real for me, and ideas are real. The things that come to mind. Like I can trust them, and it's more like it's time to begin to act, act them out, so I can even explore that. Mm-hmm. So it's just simple things, but like I was uh, asked to do a birthday party for a seven-year-old to do a yoga birthday party. Mm-hmm. So I got some ideas, like things how I can sort of put together this for a seven-year-old, so that to hold their attention, make it fun, and like. It's just even in that sort of thing is like trusting that I that guidance can pour through and and I have and I and I can put it into action. Mm-hmm. So I can feel where sort of uh, the confidence will build when I begin to just let the ideas come through me and act on them. So. Yeah. So this just comes to me together as in visualizing, manifesting is just it's part of having like time to allow the inspiration to come or to just follow it and learn from it. Yeah. I'm not sure if you self-muted, Jennifer. I think she goes in and out of connection, Angela. You know what? Can you hear me now? Yeah. Oh, I I hit. I leaned against the mute button on my headset. Okay. Know it. (laughs) Thank you. Um, One of the things for me was, and you know, it's still I can feel its presence there in my field is. If I don't trust myself because I sometimes identify with the ego, then what about uh, what about having a vision and holding it feels safe? You know, does is it safe? Right. If if I'm not trustworthy. I don't want to create any more misery for myself. So this is where a lot of spiritual students just stand still. And they say, like, uh, I've talked with many students who say, I'm waiting for God to tell me. I'm waiting for clarity. I totally understand that waiting for clarity. Totally, totally do. And, um, And yet... Our experience in this world is all about really being willing to say, I am loving. I am able to hold that loving space, and I'm I'm willing to commit to it. And if I fall down, I will love myself back up because this world is not real. It is a projection of my mind. It is for my learning. It is an illusion. I don't have to take it so 
painfully seriously. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, well, what and what about you, Peter? Well, I was I was thinking as you were talking about waiting for clarity that I oftentimes say to others and and to myself I'm waiting for clarity. Mm-hmm. And while that's true, mm-hmm. somewhat partially, it also serves to it serves me in that it 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 takes my attention away from how i while i say i'm waiting for clarity it mm-hmm. it moves my energy away from being very clear on removing my inner blocks that prevent me from receiving clarity right right now, I did moving on somewhat, but all interconnected, of course. I did journal quite a bit after that class on um, on my vision, on how it both feels and looks like. Mm. Uh, I got a bit – so I stayed with that. My attention has been uh, – I've distracted somewhat, not distracted, but – moved to actually a very big event in my life, in our, my, my family's life, which is having just taken my son. Yeah. Uh, well, celebrated his 18th birthday, which is a really, very, really, very powerful benchmark of sorts. And, um, and taking him to college yesterday. So uh, that's been very energetic in the household. Oh, yeah. That being said, you know, I've I've stayed with the deep desire of my heart and the visualization. It's been more less in the writing than in my prayer my my prayers. And what the vision is is it's in the area of Well, I think I've already said it. It's it's in allowing my receivership of my abundance in realization, realizing I my I my being abundant in God and allowing that to manifest both in financial flow and in stepping into a greater purposefulness and a harmony with my purpose. Beautiful. And I wrote earlier, like, how that feels, this, this buoyancy about it, this lightness of being about it. This, it feels very exuberant. It feels both exuberant and peaceful. 
peaceful because the there's no conflict there's no longer there's no more waiting there's simply knowing and yet and then buoyant in that knowingness so it's it's kind of a linked vision of receiving kind of my divinity, knowing my divinity, stepping into my I am presence, that harmony with my I am presence, and mm. allowing that manifest, allowing it to manifest in form. And very specifically today in both in my divine purpose, how will this show up? How can I be of service? How can I be a healing presence, a beneficial presence to myself, my family, and the world? And and shifting away from necessarily what I must do, because I've always been like, how? What do I have to do to prove myself of value? To how? How can I be? And the peace comes from no longer having to prove myself in doing. Because it's always been a bane for me. And there's a lot of peace in that, shifting from doing. I don't feel I must do so much, but it's difficult for me to allow myself to not do. Because it's in doing that this world provides us to prove our our validity, our, our our importance. Yes. Yes, it takes uh, a lot of practice. To, I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, it just takes a lot. Uh, most of us, it takes quite a bit of practice, and uh, at some point in our lifetime, really practicing just being and feeling the fullness of just being. Re- yeah, because another aspect of my vision is what what freedom looks like mm. for me mm-hmm. and how that feels. Mm-hmm. I guess freedom might be the best term to you, the best word to you, like my cosmic freedom, my divine freedom, in that it it contains the energy of abundance and purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, how how can I how can I how can my God presence affect be a be a be an, a positive energy for myself, my family and the world. How can I be a server? And freedom holds hell holds the container for that. So I, I'll get back to the writing. Uh, my son's up in school. We just got home last night, and uh, it's kind of a new uh, new space for for the family dynamic here. Yeah. So uh, more time to write. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I meandered a bit. I found myself sort of uh, drifting a bit in speaking, but but I I think it was relatively fairly clear now. Yes, that's quite clear. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yep, and it it sounds like you and Angela are both doing great work, feeling your way into this. And I, what I also get very clearly from both of you is it is about beingness. It isn't about doing this. It is. So this exercise of really getting clarity about the vision is to inspire you to have a vision for your life of beingness versus mm-hmm. accomplishment and doingness. That the greatest accomplishment there is is to be our true selves. Um, Kazi, I'm just checking in with everybody about the work they've done on their vision since our last class. I'm going to unmute you, and uh, if you'd like to share. Yep, I'd like to share, um, and I have a question around it which might be helpful to other people. Great. Um, so, yep, so I worked on my vision after the class, and um, I worked mostly, I, I did a couple visions, but the first one was really around my dad and his caregivers. And just because I realized I was having a lot of worry <laughs> mm-hmm. in the negative use of my creative exactly. energy. <laughs> and um, that what would that look like if I really had the, what would I like? So, I, um, you know, I would just like to have, to be free of worry and to be assured that he's happy, healthy, and whole. Mm. How he is and that there are, there's an abundant supply of caregivers that are the perfect caregivers for him. Mm. Um, and I shared it with my prayer partner, and she said, well, this is pretty specific. And usually when I do visions, I'm not specific. Mm-hmm. And um, I was appreciative of your sharing last time, you know, like around your, you would like a car in Hawaii and then your apartment. Mm-hmm. And that was helpful because um, for my dad, it seemed like, it, you know, that was really what, you know, you said pick something that is going to make a difference in your life, a big one, you know, that's kind of weighing you down, which is that that's the situation. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, so it feels kind of specific, but not, I mean, I, I don't, ha- I'm not really calling. So I guess I have a question around that, you know, like that made me think, huh, well, maybe I shouldn't make it as specific, but it didn't feel totally specific, but it was more specific than I might have made it, but it feels like that was important. <laughs> Because that would be what would really, you know, that's what I would like. And I really was going with what I would like rather than I want or need. Yep. Um, I it, hear- do, you, do you have anything more to say on that? Well, I, what I also hear in your description, and why don't you just say it again so people can pay closer attention to the words you're choosing. Just say it again. Yeah. So um, my vision is to see my dad happy, healthy, and whole. And that there is an abundant, unlimited supply of caregivers that are the perfect caregivers for him. Right. So, uh, you, you, you're energizing your ability to see the highest possibility that you are aware of, which is energized with really spiritual qualities, wholeness, peace, harmony freedom that's what i feel in your description and then the abundant caregivers what about 
seeing him surrounded by these people or seeing him mm. being cared for by these people. It's because it can be one thing that there would be an abundant number of caregivers, mm. but they might not actually find their way to him. So just, you know, it's it's this, here's the thing. It's it's really this basic. Has anybody in the class seen uh, the and uh, Richard and Karen just joined us, so I'm going to um, unmute you and say hello. Um, so anybody in the class seen the movie The Secret? Yes. Okay. Anybody else? All right, so Kazi's the only one who's seen the movie The Secret. Well, I would encourage you to all to watch it. Um, not that you need to or anything, but to watch it and and to just see what you observe. Because uh, consider this. So uh, this is a long way around back to you, Kazi. <laughs> but... Um, Jesus was the teacher for the Piscean Age, and we are now in the Aquarian Age. We're actually in the shift of the ages between the two ages. And so we're in the experience of the new age, which is the age of Aquarius. It is the dawning of the age of Aquarius. So, and Jesus was the avatar and the teacher of the Piscean Age, and Master Saint Germain is the avatar and the teacher of the Aquarian Age. So, what what came forth early on in our this dawning of the Aquarian Age is is this intense. Um, like I think of my own experience. Like it's no coincidence that I moved to Manhattan in 1981. And uh, just as this age, uh, not age, this time of uh, the yuppie, the, the glorification of the yuppie, the glorification of greed and money and senseless wealth and pleasure, right? The big rise in drug use, cocaine use, right? And uh, paving the way for the uh dominance of the banks uh in a in a way that was um to the great detriment of the middle class and people in the lower middle classes and poverty where literally uh the greed of a small number of people literally took away the homes of poor people and and lower middle class people, middle class people literally drove them into bankruptcy. Took the banks took their homes away from them to serve this this greed, and so that became the pendulum swinging all that way. If you look at you know that the whole experience of the yuppie and the greed and the money and the glorification of like you think of the movie Wall Street, right? The glorification of that mentality of it's if it's dog eat dog, I'm gonna eat the freaking dogs. I will be the dog that eats the most dogs. 
You know, it's Donald Trump too, right? Isn't that part of his mentality? That, and it's when they're, and this is one of the things I talk about is if your heart and mind are congruent for greed and selfishness, you will be successful because this world, anybody who uses the law of cause and effect, if you're holding that vision and you believe that you can have it, if you know that you can have it, there's nothing to prevent you from bringing it into manifestation. Now, that doesn't mean it will make you happy. That doesn't mean it will bring you what you think it will bring you. But you can still bring it into manifestation. So you look at the movie The Secret, which was about using the law of cause and effect to change things in the world. And it was about, in part, manifesting financial abundance. It also was about changing your point of view of yourself, going from thinking that you're a loser, that you're, you can't be successful, to changing your mind about it, holding a vision of your success and your happiness and your beauty and your magnificence, and then being able to call that into manifestation as well because you can change your mind about it you can begin to recognize this is the truth of you and then people will treat you differently because you have a different vision of yourself so in a in a very real sense these teachings of saint germain and the law of cause and effect were embedded into all these experiences so in, in everything, the Holy Spirit is going to show us the dark side and the light side because this is a world of contrast and we learn through contrast. So we have the experience of the financial greed and the, the resulting devastation. But instead of like it used to be uh, in centuries gone by where the cycle would take hundreds of years to fully manifest in our experience it, it fully manifested in a decade wow right a decade maybe less than 20 years the full cycle of really people glorifying the greed and the money uh, and then the experience of the financial devastation and realizing that's not the way. I don't want to worship the people who make a lot of money and and uh, immerse themselves in sensual pleasures of drugs and sex and and uh, mask, you know, and, and overconsumption and hoarding. So we have that tremendous example of that is how horrible it can be that people would go to that level of self-gratification and hoarding that they would literally be willing to devastate all of these people and even send them into war to get more oil and accumulate more money, blah, 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 blah. But that's, that's an age-old pattern. Well, we hadn't seen it quite so, I don't know, boldly and and so um so much about just personal gratification and glorifying people who did that they became celebrities and and, and to the point where you have things like Enron and uh, there's a TV show on Netflix that has uh, one season 
maybe 10, 11 episodes with Glenn Close called Damages, where she's uh, an extremely corrupt attorney, but her whole thing is going after these kinds of people. And Ted Danson plays, um, like, what's his name from Enron, who took all the people's money. And it's, it's um, I'm not necessarily recommending it. I'm just saying that the Holy Spirit is keeping these things in front of us in various different ways. So in The Secret, one of the things that happened, and if you can watch The Secret, the, the original version had Esther Hicks in it. And then um, she didn't like the royalty structure or something. I can't remember. And so she took herself out of it. And then they replaced her with Marcy Shymoff and I can't think of her name, Lisa Nichols. But basically what Lisa and Marcy said was they just said what Esther had said. Um, but the vibration of the one with Esther is higher. Anyway, that's my feeling of it. And so in that teaching of the secret, one of the, there was a huge, uh, love, we love the secret, right? We love the secret. Oprah loves the secret. The secret teachers are on Oprah again and again. And then you have that one teacher. Uh, I can never remember his name. It's like James Earl Ray or something. Uh, James Ray. And he was the one who was responsible for those people who died in the sweat lodge he built. And so you probably heard me talk about that, that um, a friend of mine had gone to see him about a year before, and he talked about how his vision for his life was that he would be world-famous teacher on Oprah, multimillionaire. That's what she took away from his talk. And he was like, look, I used the secret. I got what I wanted. And so he was teaching, you can manifest your dreams. You can get what you want. Now, I look at his life and I think this is a man who's teaching the law of cause and effect. But he's teaching it in order to glorify accumulation of worldly goods. If, you're, if your spiritual destiny is to teach the law of cause and effect. And we all have a contract to live the highest and best possibility of our life, but we choose to get sidetracked by the things of this world. And we all get sidetracked by the things of this world. I mean, who doesn't even get sidetracked by just running errands every day sometimes, right? So we all get sidetracked by it. But it's it's is it in your heart? Is your heart no longer congruent? with love so you you come in with this you're a light worker you come in with this divine impetus to heal your belief system to know the truth and to then be a teacher of it by the way in which you live so he i truly believe that that was the impetus for his life and that's why he was in that movie the secret and that's why he became so popular but he got sidetracked in thinking it was about teaching people to manifest stuff. So then 
what happens is he wanted to be world famous, he became world famous, and then those people died in the sweat lodge because of his hubris, because of his arrogance, thinking that he somehow knew how to build a sweat lodge. And when people are begging to get out of it, he won't let them out of it because in his hubris, he, in his arrogance, he knows, he thinks, what's best for them. He does not know. How can he know? He's taken away their choice. And some of them died. Some of them were injured. And then he goes to jail. So uh, what he's teaching then is still the law of cause and effect. By, but he's teaching a dark version of it instead of a light version. But the light version was in his script. He didn't choose that. He got sidetracked by the ego, of course. So... That movie, The Secret, at first it was so beloved. People were like, it's working for me. I'm manifesting stuff. I'm manifesting stuff. It's working for me. Yay, it's so exciting. I know when The Secret came out and Reverend Michael was in it and he, people just loved him. I thought, oh, this is great. People are going to discover, you know, what a wonderful teacher Reverend Michael is and uh, that, you know, these teachings of truth are really helpful. But then so many people saw people take these teachings and do what James Ray did, get totally fascinated with manifesting stuff. Of course, they couldn't hold on to it, just like James Ray couldn't hold on to it, right? Just before he went to jail, just before that incident, he bought like a $4 million house in L.A., but she doesn't have that house anymore. But not, not that it matters, really. But um, just saying, you know, the, the, you can't fool the universe. You can't do a work around the universe. And so this is, this is, we can learn from all of this. So there was this big backlash against the secret saying, it's just about manifesting stuff. It took, oh, three, four, five years before people became disgusted with the secret because it's just about greed and stuff. But it actually wasn't. That was the meaning and interpretation that people made of it. And when I um, I was reading St. Germain the other day, and I, I really got, wow, these are the teachings of St. Germain, and they are in the secret. And that's why it was so popular. But people started using it to accumulate wealth rather than to heal their lives. So... What St. Germain is telling us here is to hold the vision of love, to hold the vision of peace and harmony. And this is what I do when somebody asks me for prayer. I see them harmonious, energetically free, with no, like, a lot of times if somebody asks me to pray for them, I just tune into their essence. And I can see if there's a lot of darkness around them. It's all, the darkness is simply that concretized false belief, the thoughts. They're, they have no power. They're not true. But if the person holds them tightly, they appear to, to me to look like uh, a, a block to them shining their light. So my grievances hide the light of the world in me. So as we're awakening, as we're purifying, we're cleansing our heart and our mind of the false beliefs 
and this is why I'm having us read Unveiled Mysteries, is St. Germain teaches us the way we are to live as Ascended Masters is, if you'd like to have gold, you can call gold into being. If it's necessary for the projects that you're working on, you will have it. If you would like to have food laid before you, it will be laid before you. The perfect elixir for your body temple will be provided to you. Everything you can manifest according to what your desire is in the moment. And there's no obstacle in this world to that except in your own mind. So what, what Angela is saying about being hesitant, feeling hesitant, uh, and not trusting, this is something we're all going to be letting go of. And it's the more loving we are, the easier it is to let go of. And so there is this sense of, oh, I can't visualize exactly what I'd like because I don't want to have attachment to it I and I don't wish to feel that my happiness depends on it, which is attachment, of course. I'd like to be able to know that I can manifest what I'd like when I'd like it, that all are entitled to have what they'd like when they'd like it, when they are fully identified with spirit. So we're what I'm moving us towards in this class is training our mind to recognize that it's okay for us to have what we'd like to have. There's nothing in the universe to prevent us from having it. And all are worthy. It's not even a matter of deserving it. We're just worthy of it because that's how this world works. An ascended master in this world, because it's an illusion, because it's a projection, we can project our thoughts and the ethers uh, and the elementals will come into form according to our desire, according to our wishes. There's no reason not to. It's an act of service and love for them. And when our heart and mind is without attachment, then we're just in the flow of beauty and truth and ease and grace. So this this is the point of our learning now, moving into this space of realizing, yes, I can see and hold and manifest that my father is well cared for. There are no concerns. Everything is in divine order. Every moment is an expression of beauty and truth and peace and harmony and freedom for myself and my father. And to me, from where I stand right now, it looks like Wonderful caregivers who are giving from their heart and beautiful days and wonderful times together and sharing and nutritious food and ease and grace in all the movements. As we as people who are attaining mastery, this is our heart's desire and there's no, there's no ego in that. What do you think, Kazi? Yep, that really helps. And it, and it needs to shift to, like, visualizing when I see, how I see, like you mm -hmm. said, about the caregivers rather than, because they might not ever show up if I just have this pool of them. <laughs> so that's a, that's an important shift. Yeah. 
um, the other the other thing that I didn't I, as you were speaking I remembered is I also in part of that vision is I I see him surrounded by the angels and company of heaven walking yes. with him every day. Yes. Yes. I, I remember when Venerable's mother was making her transition, and I know the Buddhists teach not to pray for someone's death. And um, I learned that after my mom passed away, because in her last 24 hours, or last her eve, night, through the night, her breathing was so labored. I did not wish for her to suffer, and so I was just—I was literally praying that this would be it, that the, you know, that she would be escorted away. But the the Buddhist teaching is is not to do that. And I so I asked Venerable, well, what do I pray for then for your mother? She said, ease and grace in all her movements. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mhm. How about the Carruthers? Anything to share? I think you're self-muted. Well, not sure what's happening there. <laughs> so let's go back to unveiled mysteries. And I have my copy now. I had lent it to a friend. I got it back. And so I'm not just using the one on the computer. And in. Uh, that page where is it so it's page 39 Uh, thought is the only thing it's the top of 39 thought is the only thing in the universe that can create vibration and through vibration you qualify this ever-flowing energy with whatever desire you have to manifest in your life and world this limitless intelligent radiant energy is flowing ceaselessly through your nervous system and is the eternal life and vitality in the bloodstream coursing through your veins. It is an all-powerful, omnipresent, intelligent activity given you by the Father, God, the God principle of life, to be consciously directed according to your free will. Real intelligence, which uses everything constructively, comes only from within the God principle, the flame of life, and is not merely the activity of the intellect. Real intelligence is wisdom or God knowledge, and this does not and cannot think wrong thoughts. Wrong thoughts come only from impressions made upon the intellect by the world outside of the individual, which, by the way, remember is a projection, if individuals would discriminate between their own thoughts, that is, thoughts from within their own God flame, which I 
called the deep desire of the heart because I I came up with I got that terminology intuitively um, a long time before I read this book if individuals would discriminate between their own thoughts that is thoughts from within their own God flame deep desire of your heart and the suggestions thrown off by other people's intellects and the evidence of the senses which consider appearances only that only they would be able to avoid all discordant activities and conditions in the world of experience the light from within one's own god flame is the criterion the standard of protect, perfection by which all thoughts and feelings that reach us through the five senses should be tested. No one can keep his thoughts and feelings qualified with perfection unless he goes to the source of perfection for that quality and perfection only abides within the God flame. And so you can think of the Sacred Flames teachings of Aurelia Louise Jones and of Patricia Cotarobles, where they are talking about the threefold flame in your heart. This is the God flame. So going to that and checking in. So that's why I'm sharing with you this deep desire of the heart exercise as a way of checking in. It's a it's a mechanism, a tool, a method of checking in with the God flame, the God principle, the flame of life that is within each one of us. And so for, for me to really practice this, this is how I learned I am trustworthy. Were you going to say something? Anybody like to say something? <laughs> well, this is Kazi, and um, I like that. I ha I like that in Unveiled Mysteries. And I find for myself, I've really been appreciating you when you share the different deep desires of your heart, because I'm not even clear what those are for me some of the time. <laughs> so I keep practicing just to see what comes, you know, what comes up, because I have. Yeah. I found it. I, I struggle with it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, and this is why, Kazi, when I first got this intuition to do this and to start doing it, I would do it for an hour to two hours a day. And it, it was a way of also cleansing and purifying my mind and getting in touch with that God flame. So because as soon as I would start to write something that was egotistical, I would feel the vibration shift. Yeah, that's great. So that mm -hmm. so you got trained to be able to know the difference. Right. Mhm. Mm that's really true. That that's true for me too about when I'm writing from from the from my egoic mind, the I feel that I'm just stuck. I, the words feel stilted and stiff and mm -hmm. wooden and hard. 
you know, and when I'm in touch, there's a flow and there's a, a far greater clarity and energy is much brighter. It's very bright. So the writing for me has always been a really great mirror for where, from what part of my being I am, I am visioning. <laughs> you know, am I thinking my way through through this, or am I, you know, just sort of allowing it to flow through me? Mm. And I've written a lot of stuck stuff, let me tell you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, a lot of it. But I've also written a lot of really clear nuggets. You know, juicy, bright, high vibrational sound bites. Yeah, it's uh for me it it was such a cleansing and a clearing. It really also helped me to keep my mind focused. Because at that point when I was given that instruction, I was just sick to death of ego. Just sick of it. Mm-hmm. Just disgusted by it. You know, I just And of course feeling disgusted is also ego. So <laughs> Um, but I, it, all of that, you know, pain pushed me to be truly willing. Jennifer, this is Angela. It's, um, what you just said was kind of a question I wrote before the class started because I noticed that I am really um, pushed to my vision by pain. And so I've never forgot what you said about you know, we we have a choice, or it happens that we're pushed by the pain, or we're we're brought forward by the vision. And mm-hmm. what it seems to me is um, the commitment necessary to be enthusiastic about your vision when you don't have a huge, dark, difficult situation pushing you out. So that transition from I don't know if it's a daily spiritual practice, you know, per se, as much as like, because I notice the pattern in my life is that I'm most interested in spiritual teachings when I'm in pain. And although it might be necessary, it just seems like I can also choose not to be in this pattern, um, to be more um, proactive about energizing a vision rather than waiting to be upset and working only with what's upsetting, even though it's very helpful. So I'm almost wanting to ask you how, like, as you say, you were sick of your ego, so that's helpful. And then, like, how how do you maintain that enthusiasm in your life, in your experience? I have an answer for that for me. Okay. Gratitude. 
gratitude keeps me grounded in my heart. And even when events are happy and harmonious, I remain mindful of that, keep myself mindful of them by consciously being grateful. Which is not to say I'm not grateful for the less than harmonious feeling tones either because they're they're equally purposeful for me, I find, because I'm also, you know, uh, pushed by pain. Pain's always, you know, pain and, and conflict or struggle have always been my path to learning. But I find when I when I move out of gratitude, I move into ego. For me, and I relate to that. And I I recall feeling you know gratitude in difficult moments. And I I think what I'm being led to know is that because even to have a commitment to being grateful. You know, so awakening to gratitude as soon as you can when you notice you're out of it. But it just makes me see the importance of a contract or something to anchor. Where is the energy? Where is the awareness? To know how much energy is being put into something unhelpful, you know. Mm -hmm. So it just occurs to me as i continually write that i want a morning practice and i want to, and it just feels laborious that i don't always wake up wanting to first thing sit in meditation and yeah. so i'm just that's normal mhm that's totally normal uh, i know many times when i'm teaching classes of practitioners and they'll say how did you come to have joy in your spiritual practice how did you come to feel um excited for your spiritual practice because i just feel like ugh, it's a burden and i said you know when i started i practically had to tie myself to the chair yeah <laughs> you know handcuff myself to that chair. <laughs> and the whole time i was there i was thinking i could do something more productive i should be doing something more productive this is not productive oh my god i forgot to return that call yesterday i better do that right now i better do that now that's more important than doing this right now and anyone would see that and oh i just thought of three things i have to remember this afternoon I better get up and get a pad of paper start writing these things down and I, I just went through that forever and forever and forever and then because of my willingness to it's like jesus says in a course of miracles you don't have to believe this just keep doing the lessons just keep doing it so that's what i did i just kept doing it I just kept doing it. You know, and I had plenty of days I didn't do it and blah, 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 blah. Plenty of days when I went to bed the night before smoking and drinking and eating salty chips until I woke up just feeling like I just wrecked myself the night before. And then oh, I couldn't do any practice that day, you know, or whatever. But I still would pray. I would still wake up and say, uh, my life is the life of God. I live as the Christ. 
I would still do those things. And, you know, I'd walk around speaking prayers while I was doing other things. You know, I learned to, uh, I could be listening to a phone call or anything, and I would be thinking in the background, I am the love of God. I am the peace of God. I am the joy of God, you know. Because um, mm-hmm. any one of us, pretty much most of us, we have the ability to be able to listen to a conversation and think, I am the love of God simultaneously. You know, it's like I say, um, people say, oh, it's so hard, it's so hard. And I understand it does feel so hard sometimes. However, I I have mastered the ability to drive my car, eat my lunch, put on my makeup and check out the hot guy while listening to a spiritual CD all at the same time. So, you know, is it that hard? So um, to be mindful, it's just a, it just takes that willingness. So the willingness affirmations were so key to me changing my life. And not to judge myself no matter what. That was my baseline. No matter how depraved I seem to act, I will not judge myself as being depraved. I will not let the judgment Mm. land. I just won't berate myself anymore. I won't be mean to myself anymore. I'm done with that. So, it'll flip. And that's what I will tell you know, folks is, and then it became, oh, I just like to have five more minutes. Like you're in bed naked with your lover and you're all cozy and yummy. It's just like five more minutes. I just want five more minutes of this, mm-hmm. you know, and you're just like, okay, I'm going to eliminate that errand. Okay. I just added 20 more minutes of this, you know, and uh, it's like some people like to get all their errands done and then they feel better. I, 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 procrastinate on errands forever because I'd rather just stay home and be focused in spirit or I'd rather go to the beach or I'd rather do something else anything but run errands it just doesn't feel uplifting to me I don't get a sense anymore of accomplishment from that So just pay, you know, paying even more attention and uh, and not making it wrong or bad. That's really key. And just give it to the Holy Spirit. Focused on your willingness. What is your aspiration? What is your intention? Because no matter what's happening in the world of form, you continuously energizing your intention, your aspiration, your goals is going to rule the day. One day you'll wake up and go, holy shit, I'm here. <laughs> it happened. <laughs> it's just the truth of it. So thinking it, oh, it seems so far away. What's the product of that thought? Right. Thank you. I appreciate it. I didn't... Mm-hmm. just needed to get that off my mind. Yes. I encourage everyone also to listen to the year one class that I did last week. I did it on Wednesday because I was on a plane on Monday and it was, uh, I did a long guided meditation. Did anybody listen to that yet? 
Yes. Yeah. Was that helpful to you at all? Yeah, it was great. Mm-hmm. And I totally recommend that little booklet as well. Because it wasn't. It was from the uh, Patricia Robles. Is that the one, right? Coda Robles about um, prosperity, but it's from something. Or no, that's not. No. No, it just came through from spirit. But I did. Um, I did. It was a week the, before that, but I did listen to the one you're talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they run together. Sorry. Yeah. No. No. I did start with the uh, guided meditation from her, and then I went into the guided meditation about taking the, the house. Journey. Yes. Yes. It was fabulous. Yeah. So that was a help for visualizing, and I really encourage you to listen to that one. Be very. Hopefully, very helpful to all of you. And to discuss your house and everything, like I said, in the uh, class with your prayer partners. Yeah. And also, I want to let you know that Karen texted me and says she's driving, riding in her car. So she's listening, but she has it on mute because there's too much noise. So that's why she never responded. But she is oh, Okay. <laughs> okay. I got it. Yeah. I know how that works. Um I am going to play a song for us. Anybody else have anything else they'd like to share before we close out here? No, but good class. Thank you. Yeah. 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 I would just share um, community calls Wednesday nights. Yes. <laughs> Yes, and and actually tomorrow, at, right after the community call, I'm going to be d- doing the year two class. Because, you know, here's another example that uh, hopefully you got the email I sent today. But I had told Danny, I asked Danny, will you book me a return ticket to Hawaii on the 25th? I thought that the 25th was Sunday. So I just misread it in my calendar. Oh, it should have been the 23rd. I told her the 25th. And uh, um, she didn't notice it either. And so uh, Saturday, uh, my friend Ginny said, so what time do I take you to the airport tomorrow? And so I said, oh, you know what? It's almost time for me to check in for my flight. Let me go get my app out and do that on my phone while we're talking about it. And then I realized, oh, my God, my flight's on Tuesday. I hope I can stay at your house a couple more days. Well, it it turned out for the best because Hawaii is being hit by a tropical depression storm. And it's just been raining and raining and raining for days there. And I've missed most of it, for which I'm very grateful because 82% humidity and, um, Mm. you know, constant rain, 86 degrees. No, nobody wants to have more of that. So, um, th- so I I'm flying today. I ask for your prayers, please. And I am uh, so I'll be doing the MLC two class tomorrow after the community call. All right. Well, I am going to. Uh, play uh, pray and then I'm going to play a song so let's take that breath of love and gratitude together and be so grateful to hold a vision of love so grateful to partner with our higher Holy Spirit self the vision of love 
has already been encoded into our hearts and we're accepting that with our mind. We're opening ourselves truly to the highest possibility of love. So grateful and so thankful that we can accept that vision of love into our heart and pour our God light our God power, our God energy into it. So grateful and so thankful to allow our healing, to live a life of true vision. In the name of I am that I am, we share the benefits with everyone because we're one with them. In grace and gratitude, we joyfully allow it to be. And so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. And the song that I'm going to play is called How Can I Serve? And um, when I was in the Agape Choir, this is one of the songs that we would sing. It's one of my favorites. And I actually am one of the voices singing on this. So enjoy How Can I Serve with the Agape International Choir. Mm -hmm. 